0: Welcome to our Made a Huge Mistake and Resident urban Podcast. I'm your host, Darren. And today we're going to be talking about episode 14 of season 4, Off the Hook. First broadcast with all the other episodes on the 26th of May, 2013. This episode concentrates on Buster. Um, and in the titles, you can hear a little bit of accordion playing over the theme. Uh, it was the 11th out of the 15 produced. It was written by Mitch Hurwitz and Jim Vallelli. And it was directed, as always, by Mitch Hurwitz and Troy Miller. The episode itself is 34 minutes and 44 seconds. So... I don't know what is that over a, a standard network. That's like 12, 12 minutes longer. So you're getting a full fifty percent extra here with Tony Hale.
1: Yeah, if it was on ABC though, it would that would that's a that's an hour special. You know, that's an hour long show just with all the yeah. commercials cut out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and joining me to talk about it today is Dave Stone. Rob, hello, Dave.
1: Hello. This is the sound of my voice.
0: And um, you know, obviously, you know, we're getting towards the end of the season. There's only one more episode left. Um, this is the point, obviously, where season four is now longer than season three. Um, I mean, I, I guess if you add up the minutes, we probably passed that point a long time ago. <laughs> um, but yeah, because yeah, so, Netflix, you, know,
1: you have the freedom to they, for them to be as long as they wanted to. So. I mean, although uh, although when I'm rewatching season four, I could see, like, ooh, a good two, three minutes here and there, which mm, probably would have been cut out if it was back on Fox. There are there are a few earlier episodes
0: where, you know, like you're in the middle of a Job episode and suddenly you get, like, five minutes of a Lindsay storyline. And you, <laughs> you're kind of thinking, if this had been on network, they probably would have just cut that back to the bare essential of, you know, the Job of it, rather than kind of concentrating on other characters. But I like how it kind of gradually... Uh, progresses the kind of the main story which is you know we're moving towards Cinco de Cuatro which of course is uh you know <laughs> just not accurately named at all um and well, this being from impact... South
1: Texas that's hilarious you know this whole well just...
0: <laughs> <laughs> this also introduces in this episode we also get trays de Cinco which doesn't make makes even less sense it's than... like three of five <laughs> it's like, yeah it's the, it's, the, it's the it's the night before Cinco de Cuatro which itself of course doesn't make any sense at all so you know, we we getting ourselves kind of the the you know really pushing it on the fact that um, you know the blues don't understand Spanish at all. Um, but I like the fact that they have a name for the day before this invented festival. Like,
1: well, that keeps happening with a lot of holidays, right? Like, there's Devil's Night yeah. before Halloween. There's uh, uh, Drinks Giving before Thanksgiving. Now,
0: I mean, the thing is, as well, Halloween itself is an Eve, anyway. So if you're putting a day before it, you're already you're already putting an Eve on an Eve there. So. Um, You know, so yeah. Anyway, um, but before we get into the episode, you know, let's. uh, This is your first episode as a guest, so um, you know, I just wanted to know, uh, you know, at what point did you uh, find out about Arrested Development? Did you watch it while it was on the air with Fox? Uh, You know, did you catch up with it later on on DVD? Or did as 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 some people said to me on a number of occasions, someone at college lent them the entire DVD set, and yeah. and that's kind of how it happened. So, uh, how did you come to Arrested Development?
1: So, I first came across the show. I think I have the most unique story of any of your guests. So, I was living in New York City in 2000. Well, I've I've lived in New York City a long time, but at it was around. I remember it was around late 2002. And I was working at this bakery in the village called Magnolia Bakery, and I'm just working, and it's a normal day, and suddenly, like, three people come into the bakery, and it's Jason Bateman, Jeffrey Tambor, and David Cross. And they've all got, like, little makeup protectors and all this kind of stuff, and I'm like, oh, I I I recognize, like, David Cross, and I was like... I, at the time, I was like, Tambor looks really familiar," but at the time, I was just like, "It's that guy. I've seen him in something." And then Bateman, I was like, "That's ah, Teen Wolf <laughs> guy, um, <laughs> the 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 Michael J. Fox lookalike um, guy." Um, and a buddy was like, "Oh, I know who they are," and he's like, "I was like, what?" And he's like. Yeah, they they're doing this new show called Arrested Development. I think they're just filming some some scenes like around the corner. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. He, I was like, how did you know about it? He's like, I I auditioned and just didn't get a part. So, so I came across the show before the show ever ever aired. So I was aware. And <laughs> yeah. They they seemed like really nice guys and they were fun, you know. And I knew I loved David Cross, so I was just like, oh, okay, David Cross, I'm gonna watch this. Um, but of course, I was poor <laughs> and living in New York City, so television was just not a thing. Even though I was super aware of the show, it it took. Getting like a, the original Netflix account, which is kind of ironic, especially since this this one of these episodes is produced <laughs> by Netflix. The the way I was able to watch Arrested Development finally was was oh gosh, a couple couple years later, maybe two three years later. I think it already been like canceled and I finally started watching yeah. it and then I was one of those guys who went like binged on all and like all in a row and was just like what it's canceled oh crap <laughs> but i was part of the problem i guess you know didn't
0: yeah didn't i d- <laughs> i feel like people come into it late are kind of like oh this show was great but then obviously at the same time you're like well if you'd have watched it when it was on the air <laughs>
1: you know maybe we'd have got more episodes well it's one of those things i think so many people either they don't necessarily lie. I guess they lie to themselves that that they were there. There's so many stories of like, man, I was there when that (laughs) happened and that that can't be true. That means like thousands, tens of thousands more people would have been at this event that could have hold, you know, held that event, you know, like, what are you talking about? So I think, I think we're in the same way. They, they feel ashamed for not watching when it was on so they pretend <laughs> <laughs> that they were fans when it was on the air but i don't think anybody watched it
0: i mean it's it's funny as well cuz um you know in this there's a little there's a joke about um buster is uh, using his new hand and he's he's uh, using the dvr and kind of like skipping through the adverts um and there's a there's a really good joke where um uh, I, can't, I can't remember who it is who's playing the the colonel but he's like uh, he's going to see he's i hope he likes the musical acts on snl cuz he's going to see a lot of them um, you know, because of the way that he's like skipping through stuff, and that is apparently a, a little bit of an oblique reference to the fact that um, when uh, you know uh, Arrested Development was originally on the air, a DVRs had kind of just come along, and Nielsen didn't count DVR viewing. Um, so yeah. apparently, yeah. if you know, if if they had been counting DVR viewing when Arrested Development was on the air, it might have actually helped their ratings. So that's like a really weird kind of little inside reference to the fact that. Um, you know, DVRs were kind of the downfall of uh, of uh, Arrested Development. Um, you know, there were a lot of people who kind of like DVR'd the entire season and then watched it way too late for it to count to
1: anything. Yeah, which is, yeah, technology can can destroy, <laughs> destroy the art of, or the business of art.
0: You know, let's jump into the episode because... Um, you yeah. know, the summary, as it as it is listed on my DVD, says Buster struggles to make it on his own and break away from Lucille, his overbearing mother. And I feel like that really undersells the episode. Uh, <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> it's kind of, I mean, it's very synced, but the problem is it doesn't really kind of cover, you know, what what is going on. Uh, now, obviously, in a lot of the other episodes for, you know, season four, when we had the first episode for each character, we kind of jumped back to the end of season three. And we've seen the aftermath of the, you know, uh, the, the boat being stolen and Lucille returning to shore. But I think they've done it so much with with all the other episodes that when we get the kind of scene stealer pro kind of, um, you know, prologue at the very start of this episode, they, they kind of jump through it really, really quickly. So, we yeah, have,
1: it's like, you know, this, let's get through it. This montage, bam, bam, bam. All right. Cool.
0: Like, this is the point where kind of like the idea of you binging, they kind of already know. Well, look. You know, you've watched 14 episodes or whatever it is up to this point, 13 episodes, so you already know all this. We don't need to go over it one more time, even though it is, you know, really Buster's first episode, and that's kind of when they've been recapping.
1: One kind of technical note that I noticed with the the Netflix series, because it was Netflix produced, I think they intentionally put that button logo on the very beginning not just and let it remind everybody that it's a netflix production ish semi-production right yeah but it would also stop the automatic uh filtering of the being able to skip the intros quicker yeah like you had to sort of like watch the intro and it was more important that these intros were seen for season four because they actually had new information and each intro was sort of new that the, the credits anyway
0: we get them um, <laughs> we get such a quick kind of recap where we see. Um, you know, we actually start before we jump back, which is we start on Trace de Cinco, which uh, does not make any sense at all, uh, which is we find out the night before Cinco de Quattro, which, again, does not make any sense. Um, um, Buster is, you know, fitting in with a family um, and, uh, you know, he's, <laughs> he's looking for these kids' mother and, you know, the, the, the mother that he finds is Ophelia Love. Um, you know, played here by Garcelle uh, Beauvais, I think is how you would say her surname. I I, I don't think I've ever heard it said out loud, so I just have to guess at that. Beauvais. Yeah, Beauvais. Beauvais. And, um, you know, (laughs) I like how Buster, he says to her, six weeks ago, I was a hot mess. I was desperate for mother and I don't think I could admit it. And of course the narrator says, as you'll see, he admits it plenty. Um, (laughs) You know, Ron Howard kind of, and we again kind of get a, a kiss between Ophelia and Buster before we then jump back and we see Buster <laughs> conquering various fears first of all his fear of boats and we see Michael kind of dragging him onto the onto the Queen Mary and then we see him falling overboard and he's rekindled with a, a bigger a, a kind of a bigger fear which is um, you know a, a loose seal and I mean they got so much mileage out of that uh, that one joke. Um, but I, I like that the narrator sums it up by saying his biggest fear wasn't confronting a wet Lucille, it was losing one. And we see Lucille, whose hair He's is, you know, she's, she's jumped into the, the water to kind of give herself an, an alibi. We found out in her episode that she turned around because she wanted to go back and taunt Lucille too some more, um, because there was no phone service as far out as she was. And Buster kind of panics and <laughs> tries to give the lipstick to Lucille and you know michael's like uh, you know there were 400 witnesses ready to throw her under the boat which again is a kind of a lovely uh, a lovely thing and then of course you know we we call back to uh, to buster and lupe's relationship in fact in this episode buster kind of goes through a kind of greatest hits of all his kind of uh, different kind of yeah. relationships with older women, you know. That seems to be the kind of the main theme of the
1: episode. And his addiction to juice, of course. <laughs>
0: yes, uh, juice, juice, and mothers. That is the kind of theme of this particular episode. And I like as well Mother how he juice. <laughs> he, um, he hugs Lupe, and as he does so, he checks her bag, which obviously is just you know something that was part of you know you know expected. To be done uh while lucia was there
1: mom would tell me to frisk you <laughs> frisk
0: that lady <laughs> yeah i like yeah he he says he says he goes to say like the full kind of speech and then he he kind of cuts himself off and i, I like as well when lupe says that's my perfume and uh, buster goes good she wouldn't wear that which is just like <laughs> such a kind yeah, yeah I, I i and then we get the my favorite kind of sequence in this which is a buster gradually going crazy um and we see him laying out his mother's clothes and then he has these various songs uh, to help him make the different alcoholic drinks we first of all see him with the you know making the various martinis uh, for the mother's breakfast seal. as he calls it right? <laughs> yeah uh, which itself, which itself is like a you know a callback to um, you know an episode where uh, I think it's from season three where Lucille you know says to <laughs> says to Michael I'll have a vodka rocks and he says it's breakfast and she goes and a slice of toast you know <laughs> so, so, so I think everyone kind of knows what she has for breakfast and we get <laughs> we get this kind of weird thing where Buster tapes a photograph of Lucille's head to a cushion um, and then starts stuffing the clothes to create a kind of. Uh, you know, life-size Lucille body pillow. And he, he takes out the sewing machine. And at one point, in a, a kind of um, a very sly reference to um, to Science of the Lambs, I think, um, he's, he's basically naked um, at the sewing machine. Um, now, this apparently was Tony Hale's choice, um, you know, for, for his character to get naked at this particular point. Oh, of course. Um, yeah, you know, he 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 basically wanted it to wanted everyone to realize how crazy Buster had gone so quickly, and so he wanted to make sure that you know, um, early in the episode when he's at the same machine, he would be completely naked, um, you know, sitting there, you know, sewing the various different kind of uh, bits and pieces of, of the
1: Lucille doll. Um, I'm almost surprised they didn't do like uh, goodbye horses on the ukulele or something. <laughs> Yeah. I think the thing is I think they like to kind of just
0: keep it a little bit subtle but uh, yeah I mean I just I just kind of love how Tony Hale kind of throws himself like into this. And it's worth saying as well, you know, like um uh, with each of the characters obviously there is a risk the way that this season's been kind of developed that you know you're going to take a character like Buster who, you know, let's face it, um is at most in a you know a C story in like seasons 1, 2 or 3 like His character was very rarely put to the front. I mean, I would say maybe Mother Boy 30 is probably one of the only kind of episodes where you know you really focus on him when you have him and Michael. Um, you know, and there's there's kind of a there's a couple of other episodes where he's kind of got the B story, uh, but in season one, there were like three episodes where Tony Hale wasn't even in the show. Um, you know, yeah. like, and they they had to kind of make excuses and say like he was in Canada and his jaw was clicking. I think it's interesting we've kind of gone from this character that could you know be missed from an episode to one who you know they kind of really expand in, and obviously all of that is rested on Tony Hale's you know naked shoulders at this particular point in the episode.
1: And I think a big break too, like the fans of Arrested Development kind of let their voice known that Buster was one of their favorite characters and some of his centered episodes were some of their favorites so you know when they were working on the new season they were like we gotta get buster one
0: i think also the fact that tony hale was busy on veep uh meant that basically yeah. he, he can't be in anyone else's episodes so here we have an episode that is m- almost more than any of the other episodes completely kind of
1: isolated but there were like four or five actors from veep in this episode too wasn't there
0: yes yeah there's a <laughs> there's a couple of them Um uh, yeah which <laughs> we we'll probably get to did later it like at episode. their set or something <laughs> i it wouldn't surprise me because it, it you know it may it makes sense um but yeah so you know, we have Buster here, um, you know, completely naked. <laughs> and-
1: I think of all the characters in this show, he is truly the most arrested development. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, the definition yeah. of the phrase and, the, you know, what that sort of means is he is sort of a crippled adult who was <laughs> never really given... A chance to really make choices and be you know a, a human being so i think buster is like the most fragile and you know kind of lost in the woods sort of character
0: i mean it's also a telling as well that you know in the earlier season when you know the stock wasn't frozen everybody sold their stock apart from buster because he doesn't want to hurt the family and so yeah. he's also the most loyal out of out of all the the kind of siblings um, he's so still it's, a child. Well, yeah. So, uh, well, yeah. No I mean, he's he's um, he's the e- most easily kind of uh, yeah. I mean, he's a mother boy basically, isn't he? So yeah. Um, no, nope. remember,
1: know. he's a mother man. So, well, not, that's spoiler only, alert.
0: Only only by the uh, only, yeah only by the end of the episode. <laughs> but, I mean, at this particular point, he's definitely a mother boy because he runs out of food, and of course, we see this wonderful visual gag where. Tony Hale opens all these cupboards and they're full of food. And the narrator quickly says that he knew how to make. <laughs>
1: which, yeah. And all of them um, are just like, add water and serve. <laughs> so like, hot water, yeah. eat.
0: <laughs> well, yes. And we have, we have this, uh, mock mother's pie, um, which in a, a nice little Easter egg says serves three to five, which of course is the sentence that would be handed down to Lucille later on in the episode. Um, and he does find some <laughs> supplies, apparently, from his mother's I-can-quit-any-time stints. And he yeah. finds a, a number of small vodka bottles. Kettle one.
1: She likes the potato <laughs> vodka.
0: <laughs> I, like as well, I like as well how the narrator... This is where we get possibly one of my favourite kind of call-outs in this uh, episode, where the narrator says, And before long, things had gotten weird. Um, and Buster is making yet more martinis. And um, <laughs> he says... To, to an unob- to an uninformed observer, it may look a little like that Vince Vaughan movie, Psycho. Um, <laughs> which is such a, a great kind of, uh, you know, call out to uh, Imagine Entertainment. Uh, and of course, we see, you know, Buster kind of cuddling with the, the, the kind of, uh, uh, the mother that he's made. And he's complaining about how the pasta is overcooked and, um, you know, just kind of basically, uh, you know, kind of losing it. And, you know, this kind of descent is very quick because later on we find out that uh, this was only two days. <laughs> 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 Feels like years, like, right? It's like, oh my God. Yeah, this uh, this is the thing. You know, like um, we see him stuff the, the, the doll and then rip it up because it was too fat and mother wouldn't like that. And then he restuffs it. And so there's like a, a kind of in the space of these kind of like um, you know, 48 to kind of 60 hours. There's a lot of stuff that Buster kind of goes through. That would um, make
1: make Psycho an interesting movie if everything happened to uh, Norman Bates, like within a two-week period. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> not like, you know, Bates Motel, the whole show like, is basically devoted a whole origin story, but like, oh, that would have been real sick. Like, mom died yeah, two weeks ago. Just I just... would get crazy. <laughs> Of course, Lucille walks in and she sees Buster
0: with the uh, the, the Lucille dummy <laughs> martini glasses all over the place. And, of course, uh, when Lucille enters, Buster goes, I was just thinking about you. <laughs> 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 uh, which, uh, you know, no I way. mean, it go without saying. Yeah. Uh, and of course, we get my my favorite kind of uh, interaction here between. I mean, it's worth saying as well, Jessica Walters is pretty much the only other kind of main cast member that has a substantial role in this episode. Um, And, you know, for most of that, she's in the prison saying no to seeing Buster. Um, You know, we have a lot of really great guest stars to kind of fill this episode out, but, you know, those are the really, the the kind of only two main actors. And we really kind of get into the very odd relationship, um, particularly when (laughs) when Lucille um, and Buster are playing the game of uh, Guess the fur. Um, <laughs> which <laughs> I can't <laughs> which, play guess the first six times a day yes after three months you know it, it kind of it makes Lucille want to kind of just leave uh, we then kind of cut to the the kind of the centerpiece of a lot of the earlier episodes which is the you know the meeting of the family um, uh, where Lucille is discussing how to you know what the legal defense should be um, and this is where they decide it's going to be an eel which of course we've seen in a, an earlier episode and we get the only kind of interaction between anybody is between uh, Michael and, and uh, George Michael, um, where <laughs> where Michael says, Mother, you," he says, congratulations, Mother, you've managed to combine the people's fear of homosexuals and eels into one alibi. <laughs> um, which is <laughs> such a kind of, I, I just, I don't know, it's really funny. And of course, uh, Lucille says that, you know, she wants Buster in his army uniform so she can pretend to be proud of him again. <laughs> Uh, which, considering he's her only like real alibi, that seems like quite a kind of cruel line to say.
1: Yeah, like, uh, don't bite the hand that feeds you, or you know, yeah, shit where you uh, eat, things like that.
0: <laughs> and of course, he suggests, you know, maybe showing up as uh, John John Kennedy. Um, oh, that great <laughs> flashback
1: of that Mother Boy cover, <laughs> that yeah, magazine or the and newspaper it, about it. That's so great. It
0: says, on Babo by window cover, it says, uh, Eternal flames offend at Mother Boy. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, <laughs> of course, this is where we find out that that was mostly because of a testicle that was hanging out. Yeah, and of course, uh, you know, Buster says that it was a, a mother boy ball. <laughs> <laughs> and we get a kind of a tiny little interaction here between George Michael <laughs> when he he says hi to Buster, and he's kind of distracted, and Buster just kind of walks past. Um, and uh, you know, this is where we get—I don't know why—but this just happens where. Uh, in Lucille's episode, she'd found out about the term hot mess. And so here they keep yelling at each other that they're a hot mess, uh, which is, you know, a little bit of crossover with that episode. You know, this is where we find out that, um, you know, Buster, <laughs> I like how he, he threatens himself by saying, it would be a shame if something happened to your pretty little key witness. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I mean, I don't, it's just so weird that he does that. And of course, this is where we, we were reintroduced to, uh, to Lucille too. Uh, Obviously, in most of the other episodes, I mean, in um, I think Lindsay's second episode is the one that goes furthest ahead. So we kind of already know what Lucille 2's fate is uh, by the end of this season. Uh, But obviously here we are, you know, we we see her um, (laughs) with a bag of produce and she's going to make some juice. Um, And I like as well (laughs) when Buster says it's two o'clock in the afternoon, meaning, you know, it's too early for juice or too late for juice, should I say. Uh, Lucille goes, Honey, it's 8 a.m. somewhere. Yeah,
1: that's so great. <laughs> it's a, great, it's a I mean, great tip of the hat to all the alcoholics out there.
0: <laughs> yeah, and of course, um, you know, this is where he, she kind of taunts him by saying, Your mother wouldn't allow it. Uh, and of course, uh, <laughs> Buster yells out, um, I don't care what she wants.
1: <laughs> and then turns it into a whisper, <laughs>
0: which which I kind of love. And then, you know, he says, Let's get juice. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: because uh, they, they sort of like and... embrace a little bit, and I love that there's like the nice little touch of the dye on his forehead from Lucille, to's obviously <laughs> dyed hair.
0: Yeah. I mean, and it's, of course, that in the Lucille episode, when, you know, when they had their playful back and forth between the two Lucilles, uh, that is one of the things that she brings up. Um, but the, the weirdest thing, of course, is that that playful back and forth, uh, you know, takes a turn um, as, as the trial goes on. Um, but I, I love as well how, you know, Um, (laughs) we finally find out how uh, Buster missed the trial. He's the last, out of all the other characters, you know, we've seen why they didn't show up to the trial. Some of them were, you know, locked in a, uh, you know, a a sweat lodge somewhere. Others were kind of, you know, in a different country. They've all basically kind of been explained. And this is where we find out that Buster, you know, he, he wakes up with a juice hangover, which I don't know if that's a thing. I don't know if you can drink a load of juice and then the next day feel a hangover. I mean... Obviously, we find out later on why you know he he feels the the hangover, but uh, it's just funny that the idea of someone drinking you know what is meant to be ostensibly a healthy thing, um, you know if 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 indeed Lucille was kind of you know making her own juice, it, like I don't know why that would have caused this, but it's you know, a sugar coma. <laughs> <laughs> we see Buster try to rush to the uh, you know to find out what the verdict is, um, or at least you know uh, attempt to get to the trial on time. Um, but unfortunately, you know, well, one of the funny things is as the as the soldiers go past, he has to salute them. Um, and then he like, continues
1: running Yeah, in his weird ass. <laughs> yeah, I think he's wearing
0: <laughs> uh, Lucille 2's <II's>, um, <laughs> like dressing a gown, I think.
1: Yeah. Sky blue Yeah, jacket with uh, or, or I, I believe they call them a house
0: coat in America. That's what it seems like to me. But uh, yeah, yeah. And of course. He gets there too late, and I I like as well how Judge Kornzucker, after being asked, is it over? He goes, no, grab a crab fest, just started. (laughs) Which, you know, I I love that. He asks about the verdict, um, and he finds out that it's on the dailies board. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah i know it's their daily special <laughs> yeah. great uh
0: which i i'm trying to remember exactly what it says oh it's like today's verdict guilty no it's parole. like guilty yeah three to five years something like that yeah <laughs> so they, they basically i just i just love it it's like <laughs> such a weird touch that they had the trial
1: at like this place because of the whole maritime law thing uh you know which obviously itself plead guilty i think it was plead guilty three to five years because yeah since buster didn't show up she had to plead guilty because he was his own you know she he was her only uh sort of alibi i guess or, or yeah know, way and out. of
0: course we see lucille being taken down uh, screaming about how the food is frozen um and and of course buster says you know like uh he, he was trying to get there and of course you know lucille says save it i can smell the cran apple on you from here <laughs> um, and i like as well how he asks when you're coming home and she goes i'm serving three to five and of course buster goes like the saltless pie <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's such a great kind. Of, I mean, that that little kind of visual setup, and then the kind of payoff a few minutes later. It's 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 one of the things I just love about. Well, it about. rewards
1: it rewards like people. I think like you and me too, because like people who pay attention yes. <laughs> in a weird way. It's like oh, it's great. Like that's why I think uh, it couldn't quite find a sort of populist sort of fan based. You know, for well, lots of reasons. That was another thing too. It kind of asked you to you know to get some of the jokes from paying attention to detail because we're gonna like mention this shit again <laughs> and of course this is where you know um
0: buster goes to lucille too and you know he says you've always been like a and she goes girlfriend and he goes not what i was gonna say <laughs> uh which i kind of i just kind of love uh, and then you know they they kind of they they kind of talk about uh, the various things they have in common, like their their medications and their ailments <laughs> and whatnot. Um, and, you know, this is where we've, we kind of find out not that, you know, that it's been particularly hidden, but obviously Buster is looking for someone to mother him. Um, and I like as well, of course, how um, Buster, he says, I'm ready for that Lucille. And, uh, and the narrator goes, did you hear it? And Lucille 2 goes, of course, did you just drop the two after my name? And of course, Buster goes, I hope not. That would be creepy. And I love as well how the narrator here, you know, one of the very few times that they take a shot at Netflix when he says, before you accidentally skip back too far and wind up in the middle of the maybe episode, trust me, no two was spoken.
1: (laughs) It's very, it's very aware of the the medium in which it's being presented, which that was one of the great things about season one, two and three was it did sort of poke at uh, sort of common, you know, television you know norms
0: and of course buster tries to visit um and he dresses as a, an old college flame and of course uh when lucille is presented with who's in the lobby um she goes alex trebek and then the narrator says and then she rephrased it in the form of a question <laughs> and she goes who is alex trebek and of course the guard gives it away by saying buster um you know which i mean it's... nope don't want to say <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> Uh, Did you catch the uh, security sign? Uh, Every time he goes to the desk, the L I T E security sign, light security. Yes. Yeah. There's three rules. One, no, no touching. touching. Yes. <laughs> Two, do not pass any prohibited items to guests, and three, no bees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is like a great like reference to like season one. <laughs> uh, I
0: such a. I mean, I, I love the fact that, that like it, it, that obviously incident has become so kind of common that within you know the the kind of uh you know the corrective system they they they've had to put a sign up basically um you know for people i'm assuming like Job yeah. um and of course we find out you know that buster is um <laughs> is his his he's spent he's spending his nights trying to get his mother to love him and his lover to mother him which is a great turn of phrase <laughs> um and you know obviously <laughs> i like that um, you know, Liza Minnelli, of course she's got great comic timing and, you know, she was a great guest, I mean, you know the fact that they managed to have her in this role is amazing in itself um, you know, like, it's, it shows to the kind of, you know, the calibre of the, the show that, that, you know, Liza Minnelli comes in for this role that is is, you know, she really throws herself into the kind of, um, you know, the kind of humiliation of it, you know, like the kind of being this this kind of ditz who kind of you know, can't stand up and, you know, is kind of in this very inappropriate relationship. Like, there's a whole lot of things that I'm sure, you know, some actresses would be like, I don't really want to kind of be involved in this kind of weird, kind of like incestuous relationship that, you know, this character has. Um, But she really kind of, uh, you know, throws herself into it. And I just love how She keeps trying to do innuendo with Buster, and he keeps missing the innuendo. (laughs) And I like how he eventually goes. It is working. I'm getting hungry, which obviously is not the point of what
1: she's trying to do. (laughs) But I'm sure, like when it comes to Liza's like career, it's like a, it's really, it's really a good chance to eat. You know, sort of self-deprecate somewhat. You know, considering her career hasn't gone exactly, you know, in the most ideal way. You know, sort of material, and it's a chance for her to sort of, you know, kind of show everybody. See, I can be funny. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and I like as well how we get this kind
0: of um, you know the this, this weird kind of horn and hard art <laughs> and then talking about an old restaurant and like they're kind of missing the whole like Buster missing the whole point of that reference but also I'm sure a lot of people being like I don't know what she's talking about either like it's kind of a weird little joke to have a, a reference that you know a character doesn't get that probably most of the audience also doesn't get um, you know and obviously uh, you know, Lucille is is basically kind of, she doesn't like this relationship and she throws Buster out. Uh, and, you know, uh, we see in the background on the television, um, I feel like that's Joe being discovered in a storage locker. It's um, kind of giving you the timeline of where we are uh, in terms of that. Um, and, and Buster goes to a pawn shop to give up his mother boy medal. And we see on the shelf... A number of Motherboy medals, um, <laughs> and he has to basically uh, remove the jewels from his uh, his his uh, bejeweled shock. hook, which yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, he sees once more uh, an armed forces poster, and uh, he then returns to the army recruiting officer uh, and, and says that he's back, um, kind of very gingerly entering. Um, and this is around the time where. Um, you know, the don't ask, don't tell had been repealed, and so we get this scene where, um, you know, uh, one of the, the the soldiers says, "Are you gay?" like directly to Buster, and he's like, "No," and they're like, "You can tell me," and he's like, "I'm not." And then basically, everybody in the office turns out to be gay.
1: I love the is like, and the guy's going bye, and he's like, "Oh, wait, wait, he's bye." No, 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 yeah. I'm not bye. I'm just saying bye. Oh, I'm super gay. Yes, yeah.
0: <laughs> and I, I I like as well how you know, Buster. Uh, you know, he re-enlists And um, this is where we get um, probably, um, probably my favorite kind of scene, uh, which, you know, brings back uh, Dr. Fishman, uh, the, the literal doctor, um, as played by Ian Roberts. And <laughs> we Lucille is told and I love I love the whole the bad news and how it's broken, because as soon as if you know the show, as soon as you hear it. Um, you know, you, you you kind of get the idea of what's going on because it says your son went down while piloting a plane over Afghanistan, which is is kind of ambiguous enough that you 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 know parts of that can still make sense in the in the circumstances that uh, you know Buster uh, you know actually did gain his injury. Um, but I do like as well how she has like a, a little test uh, <laughs> where she, she tests to see if he really is in the army. And she says, who did Larry Kurt replacing company? And Sergeant Briggs, who's the officer there, he says, I don't know, but I know he thought he was replacing. And it was Dean Jones, but he didn't come close. <laughs> and i it's just such a very specific test, but I just love that that's how Lucille decides that this is a legitimate message.
1: Yeah, and that's super referential. I'm sure somebody involved in the show somehow was on that <laughs> TV show, I, I you know, for, for a fact. Or... Or even Lucille, like uh, Jessica Walters pro- was probably, was she on that show or something? That would be hilarious because she's been around forever. In company, Uh
0: the Broadway play uh, or Broadway musical, oh, should yeah, I say. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I'm almost certain she probably has done that at some point. Yeah. Um But yeah, and of course, Lucille rushes to the hospital. um, And, you know, once again, Dr. Fishman says, your son went down while piloting a plane over Afghanistan. <laughs> and then he says, possibly my favorite line, he deserves a big hand for that. And we gave him one. (laughs) And then he says, I'm afraid besides that, there's nothing we can do. And I mean, I just love how that then forms. Like the main, that single line is then the main plot for the rest of this episode. Um, It's all to do with Buster's big hand, uh, which apparently was a request of Tony Hales in that he hated having to wear the hook. And basically half, like literally the halfway point in the show from season one to season three is when Buster loses his hand. So for half this show, he's had to have this thing over his hand with the hook on. And he's basically just had to keep doing that for like, as part of the character. And now here they actually just managed to replace it with just like this gigantic hand that he obviously just wears over his own hand. And you know, it it just becomes like a really great joke. And you know, when season five returns, I look forward to Buster's giant hand returning because I think that's going to be, you know, once once we get some interaction between him and the rest of the cast, that is going to be a great joke, um, you know. And- yeah, because no one
1: <laughs> else has really seen it yet,
0: right? Yeah. I mean, literally, like, it's only, you know, it's kind of only in this episode, it's only between him and Lucille, really, that we actually uh, get to see it. Um, and of course, you know, the army, they take advantage of his childlike interesting games, uh, which... I feel is a little bit of a call out to uh, Ender's Game, the book and slightly less successful film. Um, you yeah. know where where children are. Spoiler alert for
1: well, the film came after. Yes, so. but the book was
0: quite well known at this point. I feel. Yeah, like a, the co- Yeah, the,
1: it was a tribute to Orson Scott Card. Yeah, yeah.
0: so I mean, spoiler alert for that: kids are trained to play these games that they think are games, but turn out to be them actually killing an alien race. <laughs> Um, and that is pretty much what happens to Buster as he's sitting next to Zach Woods was here from, of course, Silicon Valley and playing house, uh, along with Lennon Parham as the therapist, Sandy, who's trying to help him learn how to use his big hand. Um, and, um, you know, and uh, uh, this is before he's got the big hand though. We see what he was doing. Uh, he was at the, uh, he was in the, the Anaheim Plaza at the Dr. One center. <laughs> which of course, um turns out to be slightly um, you know, not accurate because it is of course the, a drone center. Um, and he he is so enthusiastic. I mean if if like if you know what he's actually doing, you know, before the reveal comes, like, then this makes Buster seem like a kind of murderous psychopath <laughs> where he's just like, <laughs> You know, constantly kind of like, you know, he's like shooting and he goes, take that Taliban wedding. <laughs> and then and then, you know, he accidentally, you know, takes an out an art museum in Madrid. Um, yeah, he's like, You that was an art museum. <laughs> yeah. And I like as well how he, he, you know, Zach Woods tells him, Maybe you should take a break. You could have hurt some innocent people. And I like how he goes, You mean I've been hurting guilty people? Um, and then this is <laughs> 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 and this he tries to get out of his chair, but he's strapped into the chair. And of course, he ends up kind of tipping the chair over, and as he goes down, his his uh, hook knocks over tons of different things onto him. And the drone pilot paramedics run in; um, they're late because some kids swallowed an eye at the Builder Bear. Um, and this is where Zach Woods, probably my favourite line in the episode, goes: "Why did they have to have us at a mini mall?" <laughs> Which I mean, it's not it's not something that they ever answer. I don't know, but it's just like a really it's just like a really fun kind of like. I don't know. I just There's the a fact that the, everything is taking place at this mall is like such a kind of, um, you know, fun thing. From Veep, we also have uh, Diedrich Bader uh as one of the kind of people who's supervising buster once he gets his hand um <laughs> which
1: you know it's a nice touch yeah a lot of the a lot of the military stuff and i've been thinking about it a lot like a lot of the military stuff and yeah some of the references like why is why is it in a mall and all this kind of stuff it seems seems like whenever the military sort of brought up in the show it seems to be like a very sort of stark sort of like Criticism and a sort of a decision to sort of like draw the line between like pre-9 eleven America and post nine eleven America and how different the military's become now too, especially like some of the season, you know, season one, season two stuff of just how like you know, almost a joke it is. <laughs> like the volunteer army and sort of the privatization of the military and stuff too, how it's like a business in a way. Um, and malls too. Malls were such a huge thing in the '90s, and <laughs> now they're just like ghost towns. You know. Yeah, I guess, I guess that's um, probably why
0: they're in the mall is because it would be fairly cheap for them to set up there. Because you know, I'm guessing you know malls will take anybody. So maybe that's the kind of comment that they're. Yeah, making. some of them
1: are like. You go into some malls nowadays in some parts of America, and you're just like, "Oh fuck, there's like nothing here." <laughs> um, and this is shrines. This is
0: where we get the return of um, Colonel B. Arthur, which is one of my favorite character names. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> trying to decide how they buy off old One Arm, which is what they're calling him. Um, and then of course i like as well how you know they get given some ice cream and uh, the colonel says maybe we shouldn't be discussing this here and then they you see these kind of three skater kids come along and they they get up cuz they're at the kids that that the table that these kids want to sit at so they just kind of move i mean it's such a weird kind of joke that these three colonels are like being intimidated by these emo skaters it's just um, I don't know. It's just, it's just a really funny thing. And of course, this is all kind of taking place in flashback because we then get to the, you know, the present, which is Lucille with Buster. And she says, so you fell out of a chair and for this, the government gives you applause. And of course, Buster goes, no, a big hand. And then he has this gigantic oversized hand. <laughs> and uh, I just love it. And uh, this is when Lucille realizes who the doctor is and she starts kind of yelling through the window at him. You know, saying this is why you can't keep a job, and uh, I mean, I just I love the little (laughs) I love the literal doctor so much, especially because the fact that he says we gave him a big hand is is like kind of the most low key way to set up this joke um, in the entire episode. Um, But uh, yeah, and I I I love of course how um, you know Lucille says that she's been brought out under false pretenses, and of course you know she's not going to forgive forgive Buster, Um, although of course you know we hear Getaway playing and she goes, it's almost as if they wrote that song for my own son, Uh, which of course uh, they did just not this son, but uh, yeah. And of course (laughs) I like how uh, they have a prison limo (laughs) that is there to take her back.
1: Tell the prison limo to come pick me up. up
0: Yeah. It's just like such a, it's it's such a, it's funny because in the Lucille episode, there was a lot of kind of commentary on, you know, the the kind of low security uh, prison kind of stuff and kind of the whole kind of, uh, you know, commentary on, you know, rich people basically get in easy in prison. So I just like the fact that they continue it here with the prison limo. I mean, it's such a kind of a great joke. Um, and then, you know, this is where um, <laughs> the doctor tells them, you know, now that, he, that the hand is on Buster, they're going to turn him into a killing monster. And <laughs> we we see a, the cover of Top Secret magazine, and we see Buster with his arm in the air and this gigantic hand, and it says, monster hand, it works. Um, we, <laughs> which I I just kind of love uh, and this is where we start to get the scenes with um, Lennon Parham and um, you know she is this therapist and Buster is deliberately
1: <laughs> and she was the original coma nurse right when Buster was, in, was faking the coma she looked similar in like, but like season 2 she looked
0: similar but that was a different actress who played oh Adelaide. no way okay yeah. yeah she looks so she has so similar, she has a uh, so she has a similar look so i guess that might be what they were going for but uh, yeah no it's a she's a she's she wasn't in the original series um but i like how buster kind of like um he smashes the cabinet door and then he squirts it with toothpaste um and then he kind of he keeps skipping through the programs too fast um and then you know um <laughs> buster says um, better off just watching the commercials. The therapist is like, "Don't say that," because he he like crushes the remote. And I love how this is where we get um, Diedrich Bader, who is you know, I mean, I've seen Diedrich Bader in so many things over the years, um, but I just love his kind of really dry delivery, um, where <laughs> where he asks um, how many um, <laughs> how many remotes they have, and they're like, "That's the only one," and he goes, "We got seven monitors here." And we only have one remote, <laughs> and, and 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 it's just like he delivers it so like completely dry, um, and then of course you know this is this is where he's like and you know and now he wants ice cream like you know um, and and it's it's kind of the, the narrator lets us know that after five weeks the army realized that Buster's kind of doing this deliberately. And I like how he kind of basically smashes the table, and he's like about to say I'm a monster, and he goes, "Do you have any ice cream? Maybe it'll work with ice cream." <laughs> and you know, this is where we get to the 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 Q test. The Q test, uh, yeah. Yes. And uh, they leave a tiny kitten in this room, and uh, you know, this is where where Buster kind of goes, "Oh, aren't you the cutest?" And he goes to pick this uh, kitten up, and. I like how everyone in the military is standing in this room as if it's a two-way mirror, and then it's pointed out it's not, it's just a window. (laughs) And it's such a great joke. That's great. Yeah, because the way they're standing, you've seen the setup so many times, and you're thinking it's a two-way mirror along with them. And then when they go back into the room... Yeah, it's just a given. yeah.
1: Yeah. That's such an institutionalized gimmick that you just buy into it.
0: Yeah, and I just I just love how quickly they kind of <laughs> they, they cut they cut to Buster and you see everyone just standing there, um, and then of course they all kind of gradually hunker down so they can't be seen.
1: That's the payoff. Uh, because yeah. that's that's the real like punchline is them all in unison like crouching <laughs> down. <laughs> yeah, so and you have this guy who's asking Buster, you know, how is he doing with his hand? And obviously
0: this kitten is sitting on this you know gigantic robotic hand. And obviously, if he wants to fail, the only option is to crush this kitten, Uh, which obviously we we know that Buster's not going to do that. So, of course, this is where he fails and he ends up discharged from the army, which I guess is kind of what he wanted anyway, wasn't it? You know, like he doesn't want to be in the army. He
1: never wants to join the army for the the right reasons or leave. (laughs) Yeah. So,
0: I mean, you know, he accidentally, you know, reenlisted in season three because he couldn't tell what the guy was saying. So, you know, he's never been a willing combatant. So you know the fact that he realised he was killing tons of people, um, you know, is kind of is kind of funny, uh, and I like as well. You know, Lennon Parham's final line to him is, you know, when when he goes, you know, what am I supposed to do? I've got nowhere to live, and she goes, you should have thought about that. But when you let the cat live. Uh, which <laughs> you know, for a nurse, that seems seems like she's got the wrong idea of what he should have done in that situation, you know. But yeah, it's such a great line. And of course Buster then just runs into Ophelia Love outside the uh outside the office, uh, you know, outside the army office. Um and <laughs> and he you know, he basically by accident, um, you know, he, he kind of ends up um, you know kind of well you know they'll they'll say it basically it's kind of a reverse blindside I love as well how Ophelia Love is just asking him kind of simple questions but he's replying with stuff that earlier in the episode makes sense in context but out of context (laughs) sounds terrible (laughs) so when she says you know you're a veteran and you have nowhere to go he goes oh it's not Army's fault I'm a monster (laughs) and it's just like (laughs) and then I love when when he holds up his gigantic hand he says what do you see when you look at this um, and, of course, she goes, a veteran who ha- whose hand I'd like to shake. And then she very quickly goes, not that one. <laughs> and so it's just such a nice touch, you know, that she immediately realizes that that hand is going to you know, end up being kind of dangerous. Um, and I, we get Terry Crews finally entering this episode. I mean, he's been a joy all season. Um, but I, I love he's not in this episode that much uh, because obviously no, the storyline no, no. is mostly focused on Ophelia love. So we get a lot more stuff with her and Buster um but i just (laughs) i love his kind of some of the
1: campaign stuff is pretty pretty fun
0: yeah and and i love his delivery here when he says look how big his hand is and we see buster in the back garden like pushing the kids on the swing but using his normal hand and then obviously you know they have this discussion about you know taking him in obviously to compete with lucille two and perfecto and you know um she explains it's like the movie blindside and of course herbert love says i suppose we could use a blindside monster and she goes well we shouldn't call him a monster. <laughs> and then, as as this conversation ends, Buster accidentally uses his other hand, and we see this boy fly off the swing and then just kind of land in front of the window. And I mean, it's one of the very few kind of like cartoony things, aside from the gigantic hand, obviously. But it's kind of outwardly cartoony that this kid would have float, you know, flew into the air and landed like that. I mean, you know, obviously the hand is powerful, but. I don't know. It's a little it? bit kind of Looney Tunes, but I just love how it kind of punctuates the end of this conversation that they're having, where Ophelia's is kind of trying to insist that he's a good person, and then obviously their kid's just basically being thrown halfway across the yard by this uh, by this gigantic hand. Um, and... I love the
1: the W reference too, um, where uh, Buster catches with his big hand the the shoe that was being thrown. <laughs> yes, yeah, It's uh, <laughs> like a great like. You'd have to be, like, born and lived around this time and known about that incident with George W. Bush. Yeah, I mean... That's completely lost. I feel like Austin
0: Powers said it best when he says, really, who throws a shoe? Um, (laughs) But, yeah, so, I mean, obviously, this is where Herbert Love, then he welcomes him into the family, uh, and, of course, he high-fives Buster's normal hand, (laughs) Um, and then Buster, like, taps him on the back and, of course, knocks him completely down, which, given the size of Terry Crews, that is, like, a great... Uh, Like they really use this hand as many different ways as possible, but the idea of Buster's giant hand like knocking Terry Crews down is such a, it's given his size, it just, it really kind of pays off. Um, And we get a quick cut to Buster, you know, essentially protecting the, uh, the two love boys. Um, and (laughs) I find this really funny because the bully is saying that the table is for National Honor Society members only. Now, if you were a National Honor Society member, it doesn't seem like you would really go around bullying other people, but I just love the kind of, you know, how subtle that joke is that this really is, you know, this isn't a kid that would really be bullying people. Um, And I like how Buster, um, (laughs) he stands up to these bullies by saying, you know, that uh, he says, are these two guys invited? Uh, light drizzle which is his normal hand and thunder and then he goes light drizzle will just annoy you and he literally just kind of like taps on the boy's face uh, and then he goes but thunder will f you up <laughs> and and uh, it's really weird because this kind of calls back onto a you know a lot of the episodes obviously this reveals something you know that was also kind of revealed in maybe's episode which is we find out that Perfecto hotel is is the vice president of the student anti-bullying squad and that his badge Um, You know, is actually uh, for an undercover cop um, who's posing as a teacher, uh, which, you know, we see is 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 Rocky, Rocky Richter Wang, um, but pretending to be (laughs) his brother. Uh, So there's a lot of levels there going on uh, with the the Richter, um, you know, quintuplets. Um, But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I love as well how Rocky always gets the little shots in as well. Andy Richter, where he says it's never too old, you're never told to stand up to a bully whether he's an attention hog who looks just like you or whether he's half your size which feels kind of like he's trying to say that Buster probably shouldn't have threatened that kid with his gigantic hand um, but uh, you know <laughs> I mean I, I kind of love it the narrator lets us know that obviously Buster being such a good son uh, means that Ophelia is, you know, now in the position to mother him essentially, and uh, you know, Buster gives her, you know, some attention, um, and this is where we see a different, <laughs> a different song, <laughs> where Buster says, "Pour in the liquor, don't want the boys to see you. You throw in some cola, got a Coke and Hennessy." <laughs> it's like, like, I, I just find it funny that there's this, this kind of. Pre- Previously, we haven't seen this with Buster, which is, you know, the life that he has with. Um, you know, Lucille, we've seen little snatches of it, but now you can see that, you know, obviously he had different songs for how to make different drinks. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so it was obviously something that, you know, they're kind of that, that's how the relationship is, you know, between the two of them is, you know, she's teaching him to make drinks by obviously putting song to them because it would be inappropriate for like a, a young child to be making drinks. Um, so, you know, I just, I just love how, you know, Lucille obviously always a mastermind. Um, so, so kind of even being able to manipulate her young children to make her drinks is is obviously such a, a kind of a great detail. Um,
1: yeah, <laughs> and some, I love the callback stuff uh, um, with uh, with you know almost every character when yeah like and through every season of like oh, you have to drink the vodka it'll go bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she trained like all her kids to think. That. Yeah, <laughs> you
0: know this is where you know Buster becomes almost like a kind of bodyguard. Um, for Herbert Love, but also an example of um, a government handout, which is probably my yeah. favorite kind of my favorite pun in the entire episode is when Herbert Love says, "Let me show you what a government handout looks like," and then he goes to Buster, "Hold out your government, hold your government hand out," and then he just has this gigantic hand, and then he he says, "Give, let's give freedom from government the big thumbs up," and then of course Buster gives it the middle finger because he he hasn't completely mastered his hand um but yeah i mean you know i just love it and then, like you say he catches a shoe uh, and herbert love says uh, you know give him a, a give him a, a big hand <laughs> and you know just like kind of i don't know it, this little kind of sequence of herbert love and buster is really funny because it's like herbert love really exploiting buster <laughs> like at every possible turn but buster kind of going along with it because he likes to belong to a family um and kind of you know I attention guess, you know. yeah i think he's kind of getting less abuse than he was you know, when he was with his own family. Um, and of course, uh, you know, this is where we see that he ends up spending a lot of time with Ophelia and um, and then, obviously, Ophelia kisses Buster. Um, and I like how Buster goes, so you don't think that the next level is adult adoption. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I do want to thank the producers for never showing Buster actually doing it like, close to any, any way, because I would imagine it's like Tommy Wiseau and the room like it's like (laughs) uncomfortable
0: yes i I like as well how this is where she says you've been flirting with me since day one and buster's confused as to this and she goes bringing me the flowers offering to undress me you know singing sealed with a kiss while i bathe through the door and he goes right mother stuff And we find out that Herbert Love has been with a prostitute, which, of course, you know, we've we've already found out is Lindsay. We know. Yeah. (laughs) And she was completely unaware that she was being used in that particular way. Um, And then, of course, this is where, um, you know, uh, Ophelia says you can either be a son or a lover to me. And she goes, and I already have two sons. (laughs) Uh, And then, of course, out of fear of being thrown out, Buster acted like a man. Um, And then, you know, he goes to visit his mother. Uh, and I like when he says that he's in love. Lucille says hamster or turtle, and she goes, "He goes, no, mother. Hamsters are gross," <laughs> uh, which I, you know, uh, you know, which leaves it open that he's still in love with the turtle. And this is where he declares, "I'm not a mother boy anymore. I'm a mother man." And then of course he, he can't open the door. Which you know, I I, I love when the the Bluth children make declarations of being a certain thing and then immediately do something to undermine you know whatever they've declared. Uh, And, of course, as Buster leaves, he runs into Michael, um, you know, once more. And I like how we get the kind of – there's this running gag that has emerged with Michael, which is he'll get someone's life rights, uh, you know, say, Job or Lindsay. And then as soon as they sign the contract, he'll immediately rip up the contract and say, you're out of the movie. And and in Lucille's Lucille's episode, we've seen him do that already. uh, But this is him on the way to do that. (laughs) So. You know, and he hasn't done it to Tobias yet because Tobias hasn't betrayed him, but, uh, you know, he'll very soon be ripping up Tobias's contract. Uh, and I, I like how Michael says here, you know, that he has her and he goes, and I'm about to throw it in her face when I see her. <laughs> and, uh, and, of course, you know, Buster, uh, you know, talks about being in love. And I like when he goes, um, you know, hey, do you want to hear something surprising? She started out as my mother figure. And, of course, Michael instantly goes, not surprising. <laughs> <laughs> You know, he returns to Ophelia and says... Ophelia reveals that she's spoken with Herbert and she's told him everything and it's over. And, of course, Buster thinks that when she said it's over, she means her marriage. But, of course, she's actually talking about their relationship, <laughs> uh, which I kind of love. Uh, like, they're kind of... I mean, that's a typical kind of, like, blue thing to misunderstand a sentence. But at the same time, she's not clear about exactly, you know, who yeah, it's Yeah, the intention. With. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, of course, you know, she says... She wants. To, she basically wants to stay, uh, you know, he wants to stay there with, with her being his mother because he goes, I'm okay with the mothering, um, you know. He goes. It's just a, a little mother-son bump in the road. And then he goes, mother, I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I mean, no, I guess if you're Ophelia, none of this would want to kind of make you stay. Uh, and we have this little joke where his hand keeps kind of moving involuntary and he, he hasn't kind of got control over it. But, you know, in this case, um, you know, she says that his hand is, uh, you know, is, is broken again. He goes, "No, it's just my heart." And then, of course, he takes a beat and he looks down. and He goes, "Oh, and it's my hand too, actually." <laughs> and, and Tony Hale's kind of delivery of that line is so great because he just kind of waits the right kind of gap before looking down and and realizing that his hand is also broken. Uh, and this is where kind of the entire setup of this pays off, where the narrator says, "Buster was blindsided," um, you know, which is kind of like. I mean, I just love the fact that they kind of set that up but kind of in context and then, you know, the narrator gets to use it here. And I like as well how Buster declares, you know, who's the better lover and the is like, he is. And he's like, oh yeah, he is.
1: I mean yeah almost like no delay there <laughs> yeah he,
0: like he he knew it was wrong to kind of ask that question and Who's then the better, we get uh, never met? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and we get this great thing here where you know with the rest of the kind of you know the the, the, the love family out because obviously it's the night before Cinco and you know uh, Herbert is at a fundraiser Buster you know he, he punches the picture of Herbert Love and then kind of like you know with the wrong hand they with point the out hand, and yeah. he has like There's this bloody hand and then he looks at it and he then hits himself in the head with his his other hand and basically knocks himself out. And Tony Hale does a wonderful kind of like pratfall as he hits himself on the head and he just kind of falls off screen. Um, You know, and he's unconscious um, here the night before Cinco. Uh, And obviously because it's the night before Cinco, no one is coming home. Um, And then obviously Buster kind of wakes up um, and then the last kind of few minutes of this episode feel very rushed. Uh, yeah, you know, considering, yeah, sure. considering, you know, we really kind of go through a lot of different pieces, you know, where we, we finally get to... We actually get a crossover here with a little bit of David Cross's episode, uh, where oh, Buster... With the Fantastic you know, Four, the
1: mu- or the action yeah, musical.
0: <laughs> yeah, where, where Buster is given the uh, the costume to be the thing, uh, with Tobias telling him that, uh, you know, he's a monster. <laughs> and... Uh, and then, of course, he looks at his freakishly large and then he goes, oh, my God, <laughs> I, like, I like how he's shocked by Buster's giant hand. So Tobias is the only other family member who's seen this giant hand now. Um, and um, he, we find out, of course, from Maybe's episode that, um, you know, Perfecto um, is to seek out, um, you know, someone to help with uh, the, the kind of this, her situation, basically. And... She he he mis he mishears Tobias saying perfecto, and then he goes back, and obviously he recognises Buster, um, and you know he he says that uh, you know someone is taking money from an innocent young high school girl, which maybe at this point is kind of in her mid twenties, so she is definitely not, and she's not innocent. Uh, you know she's not a high school, she's not a girl. Like literally everything in that sentence is wrong, um, but of, of course. Uh, this is this is where Buster says he doesn't want to be a monster anymore, and of course Perfecto asks for a little thunder, um, and of course Buster he he immediately leaves Perfecto and spots uh, Lucille too, um, and this is where we get. I mean, this feels like such a kind of I don't know. A little bit of an inappropriate exchange where, you know, Lucille says, Buster, you look different. Something's happened to you. And he goes, yes, I've been with a black woman. And then of course, she goes, <laughs> I was talking about your hand. And I just I just love Liza Minnelli's kind of delivery of that line. And of course, he goes, oh, this huge thing instead of saying like this little thing. Uh, and we, we find out that he got it installed a week before the six came out and you can play a flute with the six. Uh, so obviously a little kind of subtle dig there at, uh, at Apple. Um, But yeah, I mean, I just I just kind of I kind of love or I mean, not just Apple, but kind of every single company bringing out new stuff constantly that is, you know, improving on the previous version. Um, But yeah, I mean, you know, obviously this is where Lucille 2 then reveals this is really odd because, you know, we've we've had the episode already show us a flashback, essentially, when we saw how Buster got his hand. But then it kind of went back into the present of Lucille being in prison, which was still in the past. But now we're actually at kind of what is the present in this case which is, you know, the, the 4th of May 2013 and then we see a flashback to Before the Trial uh, where Lucille 2 reveals that she deliberately juiced Buster um, you know, she, she we see her kind of hanging around and this is something that she's done previously, you know, when they had the uh, one of the parties where she, where Lucille 2 kept trying to run into Buster as he left and they both kept kind of going backwards and forwards into the apartment so that neither of them ran into each other and and subsequently neither of them showed up to that particular party. Um, but here, um, you know, we have Lucille 2 revealing that she, uh, instead of giving him all natural juice, she gave him the, the kind that came in a box with a uh, cartoon adult animals and riddles on it. <laughs> the Shut type the Buster had Shut been known to have a Shut weakness for Yes. Yeah. And I love, I love as well how, you know, the partying was off the hook with Buster drinking right out of the box. <laughs> and he says, this is like mother's day Eve. <laughs> um, so obviously, you know, having a, having, you know, an Eve to an Eve is just something that they've uh, obviously, they do a lot in the uh, blue family. I guess any excuse to not be working, Um, but uh, yeah and (laughs) I like how um, you know Buster is kind of close to an insight when he sees the um (laughs) the ostrich on the back of the box which says what happens when you stick your head in the sand don't be surprised if someone uses you as a footstool Um, and so obviously you know Buster has his head in the sand uh, you know drinking all this juice Um, and then you know Lucille too says that uh, you know Uh, she basically kept him from going to the trial. (laughs) Um, And I like how Buster says, I've been thinking about getting back together with you. And he goes, "Uh, well, you're a little late, honey. I've been dating your father for the past couple of weeks, Uh, which of course isn't actually, which it's really weird because that's actually a double joke in itself. Right? Yeah, because she's actually going out with Oscar, who is his father, but she thinks she's going out with George, who isn't his father. That's what I love with the rest of development. That joke is so carefully layered. Um, you know that she is dating his father but she isn't dating his father and of course Buster then goes to the donkey punch stand uh, where he wants to punch a donkey uh, but it turns out it's just a stand that makes juice that is for some reason <laughs> called donkey punch uh, which in itself is a joke that um, I'm sure people can look up um, but oh, it, yeah. it's you know basically a, yeah it's not a, yeah it's a you know it's a it's a very kind of sly reference that they've put in there um, and then of course Buster gets some juice uh, we get a very quick bit of
1: uh, Jean Parmesan. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, so, so so small, which, you know, he was one of my favorites, Martin. Yeah, Martin. he
0: just kind of quickly, you know, he makes out that... Uh, I think he's the one serving the donkey punch, isn't he? Um, and then he, he says yeah. it's not his real job. Of course, he has a mustache on top of a mustache, as always. Um, and Buster heads towards Herbert Love. Um, and, you know, he says... Oh, it's the blindside monster. <laughs> directly to his face. I don't know how he hasn't stopped himself from saying that for like the entire of the campaign, like when they've been out and about, but apparently he's managed to restrain himself. And now he, he says it directly to his face, and of course, uh, Buster knocks him out. Um, and so he blindsided him, <laughs> which is, once again, they get to use that joke. Such a great kind of setup. Um, and then, of course, we see Buster at the stair car, and... You know the lights are coming on and off, and we see uh, Lucille too on this car, the staircar steps, and then she's gone, and then we see blood, and then we see Buster, and then he turns and sees the security camera and says, "Oh no, I'm in the movie." <laughs> uh, so, which is which is a nice kind of callback to the uh, you know the, uh, the the kind of Michael running joke um, at that particular point, because you know we don't actually get to see Michael throw anyone out of the film this particular episode. Um, So, you know, it's nice that they kind of find a way to put the joke in there. Um, And of course, we then get to the on the next where we are back to the kind of the main story that's actually going on behind all this, which, of course, is fate block. And George Michael, a second memory of the family to find out about the new hand, um, you know, and (laughs) he kind of accidentally like when he goes to knock on the door, he kind of almost like smashes through the door. Um, and you know, my George Michael, of course, still keeping up the fallacy that fake block works uh, by giving Buster uh, a USB with the fake block on, and then of course Buster accidentally crushes it, and so he gets a right he away. gets a second one, and then we go to the security office at Balboa Towers, um, and I like how Buster. He puts in the USB and it just starts playing the woodblock. The, wood the metronome. Yeah, the, like the, <laughs> yeah, the woodblock. Woodblock right? noise, which is what fake block, of course, is. Um, and of course. That's hilarious. Of course, Buster thinks that the woodblock noise means that it's doing something. And so he starts dancing. Um, and, and then, of course, um, you know, uh, we kind of cut a little bit to Carl coming back and, you know, he leaves and then he rewinds the footage. And we see Buster kind of doing these various dance moves to this woodblock noise uh, on the security camera. So obviously the security footage hasn't been erased. Um, But the funny thing is that then actually puts um, Buster um, ahead of the the present. Uh, Because effectively the present is the day after Cinco when uh, Lucille 2 has gone missing. And so that puts Buster kind of, uh, you know, as far in the future as any of the other characters, basically. I think only George Sr. and uh, Lindsay are slightly further ahead. Um, but yeah, and of course, Carl he finishes the episode saying, What she did to this boy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and the thing is, as yeah. well, you know, Tony Hale's dancing is actually quite good. I mean, you no, know. No, it's he's...
1: great. It's one of my favorite parts of the episode. <laughs> yeah. He's well, so... I, I,
0: that,
1: it's, it's almost as fun as the security guard rewatching all of it in Fast Forward. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs>
0: Which, of course, it's itself... something
1: we've already seen. <laughs>
0: but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we get a little bit extra in there as well thrown in. Yeah. Uh, but I, I also like that, that that kind of is also, an, again, another little kind of joke about, uh, you know, people fast forwarding through stuff, um, you know, to, yep. to, to try and yeah. find something better. Essentially, he's trying to get past Buster to find out what's going on. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, you know, I think Tony Hale in this episode, um, you know, obviously, you know, he was in the main cast. He was going to get his own episode at some point uh, due to his scheduling. You know, obviously, there's a reason why there's a few uh, members of... Uh, of Veep in this particular episode. Um, and and also, you know, with Zach Woods as well from Silicon Valley, you know, obviously they must have been somewhere near the HBO lot to kind of uh, get this episode done. Um, but, you know, I, I kind of, I like how, um, you know, it would be easy for them to kind of make him into kind of like a man-child and kind of have him be kind of incompetent and not function, which they kind of get out of the way at the very start. Um, and then, obviously, he then goes from mother to mother to mother throughout the episode. So, But at the same time, you know, that is how he's been brought up and that is kind of like almost his kind of survival instinct is to is to kind of be a son to a mother. And so I'd like that they kind of keep that consistent, uh, but also, you know, Buster kind of, you know, he he, he himself gets exploited um, as with, you know, catching the shoe for, you know, he's he's being used himself, but he also manages to kind of, you know, used Lucille too. Obviously, she, you know, adduced him to get, you know, to put Lucille 1 in, in prison. Um, You know, although I think it's funny that she only she only kind of impeded Buster because maybe she was just relying on the rest of the family not showing up to the trial so she would be the only witness. Um, You know, that that seems like, you know, her strategy to just get rid of Buster. Uh, obviously, I think she would have been familiar with the fact that he was the only, um you know, the only person providing her with an alibi. So... I guess. And he always you know,
1: fits that role, like no matter what the issue that they're yeah. going to court to do, like Buster kind of serves that role, whether he, you know, fakes a coma or whatnot. He's always <laughs> like. Yeah, <laughs> he's so, always a major witness or a major, you know, sticking point in the trials.
0: Yeah, so I, I guess she kind of could have, you know, relied on the fact that the rest of the family weren't going to be helping out anyway. Um, so I like that kind of we have what appears at first to be Buster using Lucille turns out to be Lucille using Buster, you know, and then obviously Ophelia Love does the same. But at the same time, he's shown as integrating into that family, you know, um, standing up to the bullies, you know, playing with the kids kind of like, you know, he, he he kind of gets to grow a little bit as a character. And I think obviously he had to do that because you couldn't have an episode of Buster not being able to cope. Like, I don't think you, that would have sustained, you know, an episode. Um, But they do kind of, you know, like you said, he goes from a mother boy to a, uh, you know, a mother man, Uh, which, you know, doesn't really kind of make any sense. But, you know, I I like the idea of him actually becoming a little bit more independent, Um, you know, even if he can't control this gigantic hand that he's got on him. So there's still, you know, there's still an element of, uh, you know, the kind of man-child stuff. But I I really like what Tony Hale does in the episode. And I think they kind of, they managed to take Buster... You know, from, like I said, being this character who was mostly in sea stories and, you know, with little interaction with the rest of the cast, you know, mostly Jessica Waters, you know, one scene with Jason Bateman, a scene with, you know, David Cross, half a scene with Michael Sarah. Like there's little tiny bits of the other cast, but mostly it's Tony Hale with, you know, with guest stars. And, you know, I think he really, he really kind of acquits himself nicely in this episode.
1: Yeah. And he's his storyline, or at least like what's going to happen to Buster is going to be, you know, because because there's only one more episode of this season after that and it it le- it leaves the whole show in a cliffhanger and now here we are 4 years later about to get like a new season and, oh, my God, like, what happened now between the the last four years and this four years? I'm like, oh, my God. Um. So, well, let's go to plugs then. Is there anything that you wish to plug, Dave? Well, first of all, I have been doing a podcast called The Realist, R-E-E-L-I-S-T, for almost a year and a half now. I'm approaching the last little bit of it. It's a movie podcast where I am watching the AFIs, that's the American Film Institute to you foreigners, um, top 100 movies of all time, their 2007 list been watching it from the bottom and working my way up. I bring on a guest and we talk about social relevance, cultural relevance, historical, whether these movies like still kind of hold up, uh, do lists sort of hold up as well in general, just sort of, you know, um, really taking a look at some of these touted, you know, classic movies and, uh, you know, trying to trying to poke some holes and in that, um, so yeah, I've been doing that for a while. You can download it anywhere. Uh, follow the Twitter at the realist Pod, and I'm just about to start a brand new podcast. I'm releasing. It is a He-Man podcast. Yes, I have gone back to the deep roots of my childhood. <laughs> it is called by the podcast of Grayskull, and I will be watching all of the masters of the universe and She-Ra episodes in broadcast order. I have a co-host, Sarah, who is basically my peer uh, age-wise, but was completely oblivious as a girl to all the <laughs> super-obsessedness of He-Man and the, that universe. And she's watching it with me. And But you can follow us on Twitter at He-Man Podcast. Got that before anybody snagged it. Yeah. <laughs> you
0: can follow us on Twitter at the Huge Mistake Pod, or you can find us on Facebook at the Huge Mistake Podcast. Um, otherwise uh, thanks very much for being my guest today Dave no problem
1: because I'm a monster (laughs) Uh, and otherwise goodbye yes thank you sir